My body is a roadmap of pain. Deathmatchworldwide.com, the official online merchandise store that is only for Deathmatch Wrestling. Featuring official t-shirts from No Peace Underground, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, Madman Pondo, Zona 23, Neil Diamond Cutter, G. Raver, Schlack, Necro Butcher, and many more. If you are a deathmatch wrestling, promotion, manager, or platform, and are interested in joining the web store, send us an email to deathmatchworldwide at yahoo.com. Deathmatchworldwide.com for the violent view. Welcome everyone to Faces and Feels. I'm your host, Rafe Houston, and today I am joined by our very special guest. He is the ref of death, the sire of barbed wire. It is motherfucking Guido. How are you today, sir? Uh, I can't complain, you know, just another day in paradise. That's it. Living here with us in sunny Australia. <laughs> How are you finding it, man? You adapting to our laid-back style of life? Oh, I am, definitely. I mean, Australia is the place to be, to be honest. I'm, the people are great. The food's decent. I mean, uh, the wrestling out here is fantastic. What more does a man need? That's true. That's true. I mean, I've got a beautiful little lady and a beautiful little girl out here and some great friends and Man, Australia's been great to me so far. Yeah, absolutely, man. Out here living the dream. Well, your your journey's one that I, I've really been wanting to uh, talk to you about. So before we get into how you ended up washing up on our shores, let's uh, rewind a little bit, hey? So um, whenever I start these things, I kind of like to start at the very beginning. So when you were younger and stuff, what was your sort of first exposure to professional wrestling? Were there any particular, like, faces or characters that jumped out at you that uh, pulled you into that world? Um, I've always been kind of like a heel guy. I've liked the bad the bad guys, so to speak. And uh, Rick Rude, um, Mr. Perfect, like all the bad guys, they kind of like, they suckered me in. I liked the way that they portrayed themselves mm-hmm. and the way that they just beat up on everybody. And, Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and then it's like my first kind of experience I, I remember being about five years old and sitting on the couch watching it with my dad and then uh from there on like me and my brother would watch it every saturday morning and i mean it's just something i fell in love with from the first time i actually saw it you know just the whole pageantry and yeah big vibrant characters and the bigger than life attitudes it, it was it's fantastic wrestling's been great yeah and just just something you've followed forever hey yeah pretty much just ever since i can remember i've been watching this watching the crowd so um how then does like a young guido uh start to get involved because i know you you were a ref for a long time but is that where you started was there backyard wrestling did you start to train as a wrestler first and then do refereeing where did it all sort of develop from uh, it all started, uh, man, I want to say around 2000 mm-hmm. when I was living in Phoenix in Arizona, mm-hmm. and we did a little bit of backyard wrestling. We had a little backyard fed. There was only like four of us that wrestled there, but we had our little backyard fed, and uh, from there, I moved back to California to go live with my mom and my grandma. Mm-hmm. 
was uh you know helping my mom take care of my grandmother as she was passing away and sorry. my mom was going through back surgery at the same time and then from there I mean I didn't really have much going on because I gave up everything my whole life in Arizona and my grandmother unfortunately passed away shortly after I think this is about 2004 yeah. when she passed away and got a little bit of an inheritance just a small you know a little bit and um Started going, looking for like independent shows to go to, and I found Pro Wrestling Iron, which was ran by Mike Modest and Donovan Morgan at the time, and I went to one of their shows and talked to Donovan Morgan, and next thing I know, I was signing up for training, Yeah. and trained with them for about, I would say, two months before the school closed down, Yeah. and then from there, like I started attending other shows, and I've met Hogo the Clown and the Stoner Brothers and Rick Luxury and DJ Riz, rest in peace, miss that guy. And um, they kind of took me under their wing. And from there, it was all history. I went started training with them. Uh, I was training to be a wrestler at first, but I kept getting injured. Okay. You know, there's a difference between being hurt and being injured, but I just yeah. kept getting injured. My body just wasn't built for it at the time, I guess. I needed to... Um, what, what do you say? Mature more in the body. Yeah, yeah. And because um, what, so I what age are you at this point? Uh, I want to say I was about twenty-three. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah, early twenties kind of thing. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty old now, so you know, <laughs> I'm forty now, but you know, but uh, yeah. So I started there, and I was gonna give it up, you know, because like my body just wasn't built for it. So I'm just like, you know. It's not really for me. I can't really take the bumps. And Pogo pulled me aside, and he could tell that I had a passion for the business. And he was like, "Why don't you just be a referee? You know, at least stay in the business in some form." So yeah, he's like, "Yeah, you know what? I might as well." And so started refing from there. And then uh, it's about six years ago now, seven years ago now, I decided to transition into being a wrestler because I'm not, my body was filling out. I was maturing a lot more and stuff, and my body could actually take the bumps. So I was like, oh, let's do it. Get back in. Here I am. Exactly <laughs> right. So with um with your history in Agua, were you a referee for them that then transitioned into a wrestler, or were you refereeing other places and then came into Agua as a wrestler? Yeah, I was actually refereeing at other places and came into Ugwa yeah. as a wrestler. Uh-huh. It started with some whole, um, I guess, uh, we were working people on the internet, you know, and yeah. I was shitting on one of their, rest, one of their matches there because they called it a death match, but all they had was a barbed wire bat and a little trickle of blood, and I was like, that ain't no fucking death match. I can show you death match. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, well, you're just a referee. You're just a referee. What do you, what do you know about it? And it's like, ah, well, I know a little something, something, because I've always followed death matches. Like, that's yeah. been my passion in the business. And that's why I train in with Togo and growing up around all the XPW guys, it, it was, you know, I was yeah. happy with that. Yeah, you I were around watching it. all them, you know, yeah, and yeah. watching Supreme and Vic Grimes. And wow. So, uh, yeah, we kind of worked people into believing that I was going to go over to Ugwa and destroy the yard as a referee. Yeah. And we had that first match there, and it was supposed to be just a one-off. Uh-huh. I was supposed to just go in, have the match. But after the match, we got so, like, everybody was behind it, and they were just like, that was fantastic. And 
Trevino was like, let's just run with it. Let's see where this goes. And then, and I was like, I would ref wrestle for wrestle there, and then ref other shows, and then slowly the ref booking started taking a backseat, and they were wanting to book me as a wrestler instead of just a referee. And then eventually one thing led to another, and I just threw the stripes away and was like, oh, we're going full in. Yeah, that's a, that's awesome. What a what a fun uh, kind of ahead of its time way to you know, make a debut for, for a company or whatever, like using the internet, like kind of against the fan base and stuff. And like, oh, I mean, people think you're shooting on them and just like this referee from another company shitting on the thing they like and then just coming in with all that heat. That's really cool. Yeah, it was It was actually, we had so many people buying in. We actually had a bunch of the workers from Northern California that were messaging me being like, wow, is this real? Yeah. Are you going to go in there and like really fuck some people up? And I was like, ah, just sit back and watch, you know? <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. That, that's killer. I saw, um, I was uh, doing my due diligence and uh, I've been watching a bunch of your stuff, but I, I saw your uh, trading video on YouTube. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was like leading up to, I, I don't know if that was leading up to your debut there or just a particular match, but it's got you like trading for death matches. Uh, if anybody hasn't seen it, he's kind of like in a junkyard or a back alley, like just swinging boards and throwing shit around, and like doing cardio, which is smoking tires. cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like slowly walking around tires, like, and then like smoking for cardio and stuff like that. It was really entertaining. I love it. Yeah, so, that was that. That was for I, it was a match build up at that point. I think yeah. I was only maybe about seven months into the okay. wrestling thing at that. We were like building up for oh, I forget which match it was, but yeah, I do remember that was some good times. I had a lot. Of fun it was so that. funny, bro. I, I loved it. So, so you come in, you start doing that. Is your so your first match with them is like a death match? Like you bring that to Agua? Yeah, yeah, yeah. full blown death match. Okay. We had. Barbed wire, thumbtacks, tubes. I mean, we went full balls to the wall in that match. Mm -hmm. It really opened a lot of eyes and then, on not only me, but Ugwa as well. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, wow, they're, they're doing something. Because they're, they're still in the backyard at this point, right? Like, No, they're uh, they're venue-wise now. Oh, like, oh no, no, not yeah. sorry, not now. I mean then, like when you oh, came yeah, back then. in. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, they're still in the backyard mm -hmm. and... I mean, I, I had some people from the area that were like, oh, you're just doing backyard wrestling. And I was like, no, we're building something here. Like, yeah. that's, our plan is to build something. And we did, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah, built an empire. Did. Yeah, exactly. I um, The very first match I saw of yours was like leading up to Deathmatch Down Under. Um, I, I obviously knew you were having the match with Joel Bateman. Uh, and so I wanted to kind of be familiar with you. And I went to IWTV and found the Devil's Night match with you and Phoenix Kid. So yeah. that that show in itself is amazing. If, if nobody's seen it, go to IWTV, check out their last Devil's Night uh, thing, which was around the end of 2019. Um, and that that's like such cool production on that show. Like it just looks like, you know, like a metal gig or something like that. And there's wicked camera angles and fun commentary. And it just looks like a party, you know? And so like seeing those initial kind of shows were just a backyard to what you guys built it to was pretty amazing. Yeah, it, it was, that Devil's Night was actually a really amazing night. It was one of my best matches. I was probably I at it. my best physical condition that I had ever been in. And yeah, just, it, it was a special night. 
I mean, that, that was kind of like mine and Phoenix kids first dance. Yeah. Well, and that, that's kind of when I was like, here's the reins kid, like run with it. Yeah. And I still, to this day, that's one of my favorite and best matches that I've ever had. And the venue is sick. I mean, you walk into there and you just get that instant feel of like, we're doing some serious underground shit here and the lighting is, per- oh man, yeah, I love it. Love it's, it's great. Like the, the Yeah, the entire event just looks banging, the promo videos, like the whole thing is just, it was such a cool thing. And I was like, where has this been and how has it not come across my door before now? Because it's like the kind of shit I love, right? Um, uh, we So I'll quickly rewind again before we get, get back into more on that. Um, the Total Violence Championship, which is obviously with you now, was that was that synonymous with you in Agua? Like, is that a title that was essentially invented with you in mind as you guys like kept pushing the the deathmatch angle with your uh, arrival? Yeah, see, they're because they, they have the uh, Beast of the East Championship as well, which originally was a hardcore title. Mm-hmm. And then he put that on me, and he's like, let's build a deathmatch division. Mm-hmm. And I kind of took that belt, and I personalized it a little bit with the barbed wire netting cool. and all that yeah. stuff on mm-hmm. it. And uh, then he's like, we need to create a deathmatch title. He's like, you know, he wants to combine the two. He's like, let's create it. It took us a while to figure out a name for it because, I mean, we wanted to do a shoot on a bunch of different companies that have TV. Like tell like their TV titles, yeah. but they don't have but they don't have TV. Yes, and they're like so. Let's just do a shoot on it, and he's like, "What kind of kind of name can we come up with?" And we pitching names back and forth. He was like, "What about the Total Violence title? That way you can tell everybody you're the TV champion." That's great. Even though, yeah, it's <laughs> like so we came up with that, and then we wanted to do a death match tournament, <laughs> and it was the first time in Northern California that it's been done, like yeah. a full-blown death match. They had hardcore tournaments in the past. Yeah, yeah. Full-blown deathmatch tournament, and yeah, essentially that title was built around me, mm-hmm. but we put it on um, Anthony Rivera first because he was in his the top of his form at that time, and he had been doing deathmatches, and nobody was really paying attention to like his deathmatch stuff, and we're like, let's give it to somebody who we know can run with it and yeah. can build it up, and then we'll go from there. Uh, it's uh, it's a cool looking belt, and kind of crazy that it's uh, it's now in Australia uh, as it goes. I, I guess nobody ever saw it, it's uh, the journey it would end up taking, like in the long run, right? No, I mean neither. None of us did. I mean it being here with me because originally I was just coming out here for a visit. Yeah, now it's coming out here to visit my now fiance. Mm-hmm. And um, I was going to work a couple shows out here and all that good stuff. And I was supposed to bring it back and then, you know, just keep defending it. But here we are. I mean, COVID kind of put a damper on all those plans. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, yeah. So talking about the COVID stuff. So was Devil's Night the one we were talking about? Was that your last show for Agua? Did you kind of do that and then it was... I'm going to go for a holiday to Australia and then been here ever since. Is that how it worked? Or were there any other shows after that? Yeah, there was one more show after that because okay. Devil's Night was in October. Then I had, um, I think I, think I might have had one more in November. 
November for UGWA, and then I went to SoCal for Crimson Crown because I was working with them as well, and I wrestled Eddie, Eddie only in uh-huh. kind of like a street fight type deal. Awesome. And then, yeah, then came out here in January and was like, oh, I'm going to go out for a holiday. I'll be back in a couple weeks, and I'm still sitting here. <laughs> what what's that look like for from your point of view? So I did an interview with Casanova Valentine, who was also, I guess, the other American that was uh, caught here. Kind of when it goes, and he ended up, you know, leaving before it all happened. But what, what's that look for, man? Because that must be when COVID first started. I mean, it still is for some people, but but it was it was pretty scary, man. And so you're here, you're on a a holiday. Uh, you're trying to have a good time and then you're getting kind of word that everything's shutting down. Is that, that like a pretty sort of intense experience to go through? I mean, because you've ended up leaving your entire life, essentially. Yeah, I've left, you know, my family's back there and my kids and all my friends. And yeah, it was it was really scary times. And it's still, it's still scary times for yeah. me. I mean, because I still can't get back, Yeah, you know. And even if I wanted to go back, I mean, tickets round trip ticket there and back is going to cost about 15,000. Like yeah, it's, it's just, it, so yeah, it was a really scary time for me. And it like, it really played a lot with my mental health. Yeah. Cause it's just like the, the whole unknown of it all. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a touchy subject with that. Cause yeah. it, like I said, it was uh, like really hit me in the heart. Like yeah. it's, it got crazy and it got crazy fast. It yeah. wasn't like, it was like a slow build. It was like, bam, yeah, COVID, and they're like shutting everything down, and like I'm, you know, I, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it was, it was a really tough time, and it's yeah. still, it's still tough, you yeah. know, and especially in the position where I'm in with uh, getting all my visas in order, and you know, what if something happens back home and I can't get back, and it's just. Yeah, shitty times. Yeah, you know, it's it's intense. The man. Best of it. Absolutely, like it's not like something where, like I've travelled before and things like that. Like it's not like something where, oh well, I can just go, go stay here and it's fine and I'll go back. There's so much paperwork. There's stuff going on. There's the unknown of, you know, can I go back? There's things that are happening with family members and stuff over there, and you you couldn't even get to them if you wanted to and stuff like that. I can, and then meanwhile you're essentially in. A completely foreign country, uh, with no job, uh, a, a brand new relationship, and all this stuff. Like I, I was watching this play out for you, and I'm just like, man, this. Like as I, I like found out about your story, I'm like, man, that must be a lot to deal with. So like yeah. to to see you like doing so well like right now and everything like that, I, th- I think it shows somebody that like works really hard and and you know keeps pushing through. Because I, I see you now. I know you just moved. You know, you've got got your new baby there and everything like that. It's nice to see you like in a good place. Yeah, and it's uh, it. It feels good to be in the position I'm in right now. It really does because we've worked hard for this and yeah. so many trials and tribulations and you know every everything going on back home and you know not being able to talk to my kids and you know and then having to deal with getting kicked out of our old place because they sold it from underneath us. And, I mean, it's just the mental health game is where 
I, I struggled a lot with it. Yeah. You know, there's good days and there's bad days, and there's still good days and there's still bad days. And I don't think that'll ever change until maybe this COVID stuff ends and I can travel back whenever I want. Yeah. You know, and it's like the the whole unknown with it. It's but yeah, now I'm sitting in a really good mental spot. You know, yeah. like like I said, there's still good days and bad days, but the good outweigh the bad. Yeah. And I'm lucky to have a partner that I do that understands me and gets me and yeah. works with my mental game instead of just letting me fall into a deep, dark depression and shit like that. Like, Yeah, absolutely. She's been really good for me. So It's, it's kind of amazing how sometimes people are like, it just works like that. This is obviously a, a woman from like the other side of the world, you know, like that you kind of took a chance on like, how did how did you guys meet? Because it seems to me like it uh, it's kind of pretty special how it all worked out for you. Yeah, well, we met playing uh, Red Dead Redemption online. Great, game. actually, and um, <laughs> yeah. you know it was probably uh, I want to say about a year before I moved out here yeah. when we actually met playing the video game and. Um, I mean, my relationship at the time when I was back in the States, it was really rocky. And, I mean, we were living together, but we weren't together, you know. We yeah. were kind of just there for the kids. And, you know, I met her, and she would, you know, I'd, I'd be having bad days, and I'd get on the game, and she'd be playing with me and my other buddies, too, that were on the game, and just be riding around, and she'd calm me down a lot. And one thing just led to another and we just started talking more and then she came out for a visit because she was actually at that show with that I had the match with Phoenix Kid. Oh, really? That's yeah, awesome. She flew out to the States yeah. and she was at that show and we met face-to-face for the first time and then, uh, yeah, it just kind of went from there, you know, and she was like, oh, what do you think about coming out to Australia for a vacation? And I'm just like, that would sound great because I've only other place country I've been to is Mexico. Yeah, it's like so. Yeah, let's go and here we are. You know, like yeah, yeah. Over a year, year and a half later, and like we're going stronger than ever. So that that's amazing. And she's a nurse, right? Pretty appropriate for a death mattress. Uh, she's a, she's a paramedic. Paramedic, so, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it's fits in well with what I do. You know, I got someone that can go home and take care of me. You know what I mean? And <laughs> that's amazing, man. I'm so happy for you guys. That, that's really killer. Um, how did you meet Joel Bateman uh, and the Deathmatch Down Under crew? Uh, before I came out here, I want to say maybe about a month before I came out, I had seen uh, Cass actually posted something yeah. that he was going to be coming out here. Uh-huh. And then I hit him up, and I was like, how ironic, because I'm going out there for a holiday. Yeah. Like, you know, who are you in contact with out there? Can you put me in contact? Uh-huh. And so he put me in contact with Bateman, and uh, I kind of just messaged him, and I was supposed to work the uh, second No Ring show that they had that they had to cancel because COVID. Yeah, exactly. COVID hit the, mm-hmm. And uh, so, I, you know, I talked with him and went to a show, I think, uh, went to an APW show with him, mm-hmm. and we rode and we just talked, and so when he was kind of like hinting that he was going to be doing something with the death matches and wanted to use me in that, you know, in the company and all that. And yeah, so I kind of, so I met Joel through Cass. It was Casanova that kind of was like, oh, here you go, bro. This is who I'm talking to out there and who you should be talking to. Uh-huh. That's so if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for Cass, I'd probably just be sitting on the couch playing my video games. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't know. I think Joel would have got moving and you would have become aware of it pretty quick. But what's the chances of like a, you know, uh, a deathmatch wrestler from America being stranded here just as like the first deathmatch promotion in Australia starts up like in a long time? How's the timing on that, right? Like, so <laughs> it's pretty crazy. It was almost like it was meant to be. Yeah, it's kind of like it's one of those ironic situations, you know? Yeah. It's like, well, isn't this ironic? Exactly. Cause I'm stuck here, and I've got a title from the States with me. Like, you're going to start up a deathmatch promotion. Let's see what happens, you know? It's a pretty good fit straight out the gate, and it's like any other era, you wouldn't have been here. There wouldn't have, You would have been caught here. Maybe, you know, deathmatch down under doesn't happen the way it does, and, and like, it's yeah, it's just pretty funny, and I, I'm I'm glad to see that everyone's, like, landed on their feet. I was also going to be at that show, the uh, the second show that you were going to be at, but because of COVID, never caught my plane, right? Like, so, right. <laughs> but I, I looked at moving my flights forward. I was coming over for, what was it? I think it was Download Festival. I was going to go see some bands and stuff, and I had my flights booked, and I was looking at, you know, moving them forward to catch it because I, I heard saw it. Cass was there, I'm a big fan, and I was like, oh, this would be cool to go and catch that. And then, yeah, obviously, it all stopped and flights cancelled and all that kind of stuff. So uh, my hope is to get over for the Dream Tournament in August. I've got the leave booked. Everybody owes me a ton of flights. Uh, I'm good to go, but we just got to see what COVID stuff happened. I thought we were looking pretty clean, but then, obviously, uh, Perth got locked down again a couple of weeks ago. It's lifting now, like all the restrictions lifted, but we've got to get around with masks. So I don't know if I'll even be allowed or if it'll be too risky or not, but I would love to be there for the first tournament. Yeah, that's going to be something special. Like mm-hmm. That tournament is Joel and everybody on the crew has worked extremely hard to get this tournament off the ground. Well, the company itself. Mm-hmm. So the deathmatch tournament is going to be something special. I believe it's like a first ever yeah, deathmatch tournament in is. Australia. I think it is, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's, I mean, it's going to be a special day, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So are you, do you know for sure if you're going to be in that tournament? I'd be thinking you are, right? Come on. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Mm. If so, you could potentially be in two first ever tournaments because you mentioned that Agua tournament that was a first ever yeah. as well, so... Have to see how that goes. Yeah, I mean, a couple like, well, Crimson Crown too, their first deathmatch tournament, I was in that one as well. And Like, being in the first deathmatch tournament, it would be something special for me too, especially being a transplant and, you know, with nobody really knowing who I am. It'd be a good, well, I mean, not, I pretty much made a name for myself already, mm-hmm. but that'd be an even better way for me to make a name for myself because, who knows, at the end of that tournament, I could have an American and an Australian deathmatch championship. Like, exactly. That'd be special. You seem to be good at collecting titles, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Well, I'm very excited for it, like, no matter what. But, yeah, hopefully I can get over. I'd love to meet all you guys face-to-face. I feel like I've been talking to the entire deathmatch down under roster for a while now, but I've never met anybody in real life. So <laughs> I know you all, but but it's through this tiny little window on my computer screen. So it's pretty wild. Exactly right. So tell me a little bit about traveling. So you mentioned Mexico. Have you wrestled in Mexico? No, no. I kind of went to Mexico to go uh, buy some pills for one of my dogs when I lived in Phoenix because I've only been to Mexico one time, but get some... Uh, Moxicillin for some of my dogs that were sick. Right, okay. It was too expensive in the States to get it. And 
Oh, really? I live close to the border, and it's like, oh, we can just hop over the border and bada bing, bada boom, you know, go find a doctor. Yeah, okay. And, uh, you know, <laughs> get some, get a get a prescription. <laughs> no, okay. Pills, okay. Know, like, it's a little bit shady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of, I just went to Mexico. It was like a brief little thing. I think we were only there for about four or five hours. But oh, it was pretty right, right, right. Yeah, It was pretty right. wild in those four or five hours because we were on the border town, Nogales. Yeah. And the border towns are pretty fucking wild because mm-hmm. we almost got robbed. Jesus. I mean, we were getting offered drugs everywhere we turned around. We could have went to a donkey show, which I was just like, I'm not going to go watch no donkey show. (laughs) But yeah, Mexico was pretty wild. Just just in no gallows. You're like, I was there for four hours and it was the wildest place I've ever been. (laughs) It was was wild. Mexico was wild. Exactly. Phoenix Kid uh, was telling me um, when I spoke to him how he went there for Zona 23. And he was kind of of the same thing. Like I was only there for like a couple of days, and it was like pretty insane. Yeah, Mexico's pretty insane. You can get just about anything you want on every corner. So it's just Mexico was crazy. It was fun. Yeah, but it's crazy. It's one of those places where you go, and you might want to go to a tourist town instead of just going into the actual Mexico part of it because it's pretty insane. Yeah, yeah, I think that's how I would. I'd keep it pretty touristy myself. I, I don't need the heat of a <laughs> that Mexico has to bring. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so say, well, not say, when all this COVID stuff lifts and things like that, do you think that you'd be uh, up for travel and stuff again? Like, do you think there's a possibility we could see Guido in a zone of 23. Do you think we could see Guido in Japan? Is that something that you see in your future and that you're open to? Yes. Actually, as a matter of fact, um, I was, when I came out here and COVID hit, and I think it was uh, January, February, I was actually booked at zone of 23. Oh, wow. And I was going to fly back to the States and then go hit zone of 23. And then mm-hmm. I was booked up in Canada as well. And, uh, I mean, they just didn't fall through. I mean, thank you, COVID. Yeah. You know, I appreciate it. But, yeah, once it lifts and we can actually travel again, definitely. Japan is definitely on my bucket list. Yeah, well. As soon as I can wrestle in Japan, I can take the boots off and hang them up and call it a day. I mean, yeah, my well. Body, my body's pretty beat up. I've been doing this shit for too goddamn long. I'm almost 40 years old, you know. It's how much more can I go? But yeah, definitely, I'll be going back to the states because I've got to take that uh, total violence strap back and defend it. Hopefully, defend it, and not lose it. You know, but we'll see what happens. But yeah, definitely, it's on the cards. Yeah, now that would be awesome, and I could see that being a massive uh, bucket list uh, thing for you. I have um, I've told the stories on the podcast before, but I've been to quite a few big Japan shows, uh, Karakon Hall and uh, Freedoms at Shinkiba First Ring and stuff, and they're, they're pretty special events, like, no matter what they are, and I know you'd have a blast. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I've watched a lot of the Japanese deathmatch stuff. Mm-hmm. Definitely my bucket list. I think uh, I probably need to bring a couple pairs of underwear because I'm pretty sure I'd have to change them once I walk into one of those venues. <laughs> Exactly. If you could list off uh, any dream opponents and stuff uh, out of the Japanese talent, is there anybody that jumps straight to mind? Masashi Takeda. I would like to. I would like Takeda. Um, I would like Kasai for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Kobayashi. Yeah. I mean, um, 
Ito, you know, uh, all, all the legends. Onita, for sure. I would love a chance to dance with Onita. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just about anybody there. I, I, anybody. Any any Japanese deathmatch dude is on my list. Like, line I, I'd be up. happy with any of them. Yep, line them up. Exactly. Um, big win by our boy uh, Violento Jack for um, recently as well. Uh, taking the King of Freedoms title, which is pretty awesome. Have you had a chance to run across him in the States at all, or has he mostly been based in Japan? No, he's mostly been based in Japan. I, I He might have done something in the States like early in his career, mm-hmm. but I think that uh, he went straight over to Japan mm-hmm. and just moved over there Stayed. and decided to take it by storm. And, yeah. yeah, damn it, he did. Like, it's same with Drew Parker, too, you know, like, seeing those foreign guys over there in Japan and like actually killing it and making a name for themselves. And hopefully Drew Parker takes that BJW deathmatch title. Cause that'd be pretty special. You yeah. Know? Like, be amazing. I'm happy, tor- tor- I'm happy for those guys. I don't personally know them, but I'm ex- being in the same genre of wrestling that we do. I'm couldn't be happier for them. You know? Yeah. That's awesome, man. Uh, killer. So um, sometimes at the end of this podcast, I like to play a little game where I get uh, the the guests to recommend uh, something that they're feeling in wrestling at the moment. So be it an angle that you've just watched or a, a match that you're about, if I was to ask you uh, something that you've watched or, or that you're feeling right now, what would you uh, recommend? Death. I mean, like, that's all I watches deathmatch stuff, you know, and that's all I really feel is death, you know, and blood and gore and just, like, death. <laughs> it's telling, I mean, I've got, uh, you know, the 17th coming up. Well, I've got something this weekend going on, too, with mm-hmm. uh, Vixen, but then the 17th with Michael Weaver. Yep. And it's not a deathmatch, per se, but it's going to be death. You know, like we're two big dudes that are just going to go out there and beat the absolute dog piss out of each other. Yeah, absolutely. Heavy set violence, Michael Weaver is an absolute weapon of a dude, man. Talk about a lariat, right? Yeah, you know, like he's got a really nasty lariat. I've got a really nasty lariat, which I call the Snugs line because it's, it's what it is. It's nice and snug and tight, and you definitely feel it. Like I can't. That's one match that I'm really looking forward to, even though it's not a death match. Yeah. Like, it's going to be something special. Yeah, that's killer. Have you, um, oh, you, you have tangled with Vixen a little bit in tags and stuff. That should be pretty awesome as well. Is that, that, that a death match? Yeah, that's a death match. Four corners of pain, I believe. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I'm really looking forward to that one as well because mm-hmm. she's talented. She's, she's been everywhere. She's toured Japan and she's been, since I've been here, like I, you know, I was talking with her a little bit before I came out here too about the scene and stuff like that. And I think we're gonna have a really special match coming up as well yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Be a real special match. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Definitely looking forward to that one. Yeah, that's it. Um, I quickly want to touch on Callan Butcher as well, uh, and your rivalry with him was. I feel like handled really awesome. Like you guys had a, a great build up and kind of ongoing series of matches leading up to what was just a really killer match. Um, how did you feel about how it all went? I, I know you were pretty beat up like after it was said and done, but you you were still holding the title. So how'd that all play out for you? 
man, like that that whole feud was really special. I mean, we we created something that got the fans really wanting to see us tangle it up one one on one. I think it went really well that match. That one-on-one match, it really did take a lot out of me. That was probably one of the only times I actually thought to myself in that match that I can't keep going. I need to just bow out. Mm-hmm. But wow. I fortunately finished it, Yeah, you know, to my credit. Like, I was able, after he squished the shit out of me and fucked my rib off, which is still a little bit tender and wow. a little sore. Yeah. And, uh, like, I didn't want to go anymore. He's probably the only person that's ever brought me to that point in wow. a wrestling match where I was just feeling like, this is fucked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, I got to run. I got to go. Yeah. I was like, I can't, I was like, I just can't do it anymore. But I had to finish that match. Like, my pride got in my way. I probably should have just bowed out. Yeah. And just crawled off into the back. But uh, my pride got in the way of that. And, Happy that I finished it, and I'm happy that me and him created something special, you know, and getting his name out there off of damn near killing me is what I what I'm here for, you know. That's what I do. Yeah, you know, it's not about me. It's it's about these younger guys because, like I'm saying, my torch is just about out, and it's about time to pass that shit on. Yeah, he he's got a bright future ahead of him he, he does. Really does passionate young guy man and like just he's his passion for deathmatch just oozes out of him you know like he's yeah. just he's so hungry and wants it so bad and then seeing like the experience that somebody like you brings into every single one of your guys run-ins like leading up to that culmination i thought was something to be really proud of and something that deathmatch down under has been really good at like telling these stories you know like yeah. straight out the gate and it's not something that deathmatch promotions always do well um, but it's something that you guys are showing over and over that you're doing really well. Um, I think it's probably appropriate that as we start to wrap up that we, we touch on Joel Bateman. So the, the rivalry that kicked off Deathmatch Down Under was you and Joel talking about the Total Violence Championship. I'm starting this promotion. This guy's my friend, but if I take that from him, I'll be the champion and then I can put Deathmatch Down Under on the map. A nice, simple, great, fun rivalry that that just kicked it off with what I thought was, again, one of like my favorite Deathmatches that I've ever seen. Um, were, you, were you really happy with how that all played out? Because I think somebody would be really proud of. Yeah, I was extremely happy. Like, even just mentioning it, it kind of gives me goosebumps a yeah. little bit. Like, I was extremely happy with that match and the way it played out. And, yeah, two friends, like, I consider Joel a friend, you know. He was one of the only one of my first friends here in Australia. One of the only people to accept me right away. And just going out there and telling that story of his passion and his love for the business and you know, about two friends going like it was the match itself couldn't have gone any better. We, we told a beautiful story out there, a beautifully violent story. And uh yeah, like the passion was Passion was there. I, I, after the match, I'm not sure if you can see it or not, but tear it up a little bit, you yeah. know, just having all the fans stand up and cheering and all that. Like, it was a really special moment. Yeah. And to share it to share it with Joel was was pretty special. It was pretty special as well. So. Yeah, and that's awesome. And I mean, I, I imagine for you, like at that point, you know, you're talking about a guy who's, like you said, transplanted into this country 
everything's fallen down around you, the world's fucking shut down, and here you are, like, helping launch a new promotion with a guy that you call a friend and putting on this classic, like, it's just got to feel like, man, <laughs> like, heavy, you know, but at the same time, uh, yeah, something something pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely, like, really heavy. I felt a lot of pressure. Uh, my nerves were on edge, and after that match, I don't think I fell asleep until about seven o'clock in the morning. Just wired, yeah. The adrenaline, and I was just so wired, yeah, so wired up, and just, yeah, it was really fucking special. Yeah, really special. it's cool. In in Joel's promo, he said, "I want to start writing my magnum opus," and I really feel like when when I look back at the matches I've seen from you, when I see that you know the Devil's Night match, uh, into the Death Match Down Under stuff with Joel into the stuff with Callum. I feel like that's what you're doing right now, man. Like, straight up, three of my favourite death matches that I've watched ever, like, you know, easily in my top ten. And I watch a lot of shit. Uh, I just want to tell you, man, like, you're absolutely killing it, eh? And the, this, I can't wait to see what you guys have got planned for what's coming up. No, I appreciate that. I don't feel like I'm done yet, but, you know, I, and I've still got a lot of good matches in left in me. Yeah. And, uh... Just knowing that three of your favorite matches include me in it, that means a lot. That means that I'm doing my job and I'm telling my story That's and it. writing my book the way that I want to write it. You know? yeah. Like it's actually coming to fruition. It's what that's what it's all about. Like it's it's about giving you guys what you want at my expense. You, know what I mean? <laughs> you guys, you guys get to watch some cool shit, and I get to live through all the pain. Yeah, you're like, doesn't really seem like a fair trade-off in hindsight. <laughs> yeah, at times it doesn't seem like a fair trade-off until, uh, until I actually hear, like, you know, and see things on the internet where people are talking about me and how they like watching my life. It's, it's what it's all about, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, just telling great stories, man. They're not spot fest and stuff. Every single one of your matches has just been this, like, you know, great build-ups into these cool stories in the ring that just, you know, progress logically with some great spots and action. And, yeah, it's just, it's just killer, man. No, I appreciate that because, that, yeah, that's one of my big things and with what I do too. No matter what kind of match it is, even if there's no build-up to it, when we go out there, we're, we got to tell a good story. Yeah. Like, stories is what's lacking in the death matches, in my opinion. A lot of the death matches that I watch, there's not really – very much storytelling going on. It's kind of just two guys out there beating the shit out of each other. Yeah. But the stories are where it's at, in my opinion. And that's kind of what I strive to do over everybody else is tell a really good story, get the crowd invested in it. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. And you're doing it, man. The experience shows and yeah, it's, it's absolutely paying off. So tell the people where to find you on social media. I know you get banned a lot, but, uh, <laughs> but where, where can they find you when you're active? That's true. Um, I'm on Instagram. I, I, I don't even remember my Instagram handle. I think it's like Guido 209 or something like that. Either way, you just type in Guido and you'll find me. I'll pop up. Same thing on uh, Twitter. I think uh, my Twitter's right around the same, like Guido4209 or Guido209, one of those two. Yeah, Guido209 uh, on Instagram. There we go. I'll get that. Yeah. And I think Twitter should be right around the same as well. Guido4209. There you go. Yeah. So 209 and 4209. I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> Facebook, I mean, like... Um, People can add me on there. I'm not going to go ahead and give my shoot name away, but I'm pretty easy to find. 
but I get banned on there a lot. I'm currently uniform suspension on there, so, you know, that's what happens when you run your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Never stops. So, yeah, if you can find him, if he's not in Facebook jail, (laughs) he'll be on there. But add the man on uh, Instagram and Twitter. They're the the places to see uh, the sire of barbed wire. Dude, thank you for making time for me today. It's been so great to finally catch up with you uh, and uh, see you face-to-face. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely, man. Great telling stories with you. So, for the sire of barbed wire, Guido, and for Faces and Feels, remember, it's all about peace, love, and pro wrestling. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Faces and Feels is a DIY project created and edited in-house by me, Rafe Houston. You can show your support by following us on Instagram at FacesFeelsCast, Twitter at FacesFeelsCast, and Facebook at FacesFeelsCast. Or send us an email with topic suggestions or feedback to facesandfeels at gmail.com and don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Our banger theme is Loose Lips Sink Ships by the Thunder Vipers. Check it out on Spotify. And now hang around for a quick word from some friends of the show. Peace out. My body is a roadmap of pain. DeathmatchWorldwide.com, the official online merchandise store that is only for Deathmatch Wrestling. Featuring official t-shirts from No Peace Underground, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, Madman Pondo, Zona 23, Neil Diamond Cutter, G. Raver, Schlack, Necro Butcher, and many more. If you are a Deathmatch Wrestling promotion, manager, or platform and are interested in joining the web store, send us an email to deathmatchworldwide at yahoo.com. Deathmatchworldwide.com for the violent view.